Amen. If you have a Bible, will you please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16. We'll be looking at verses 13 and 14, not just today, but for today and the next two Sundays. This summer we have three missions trips. We've got the international trip to Kenya, the international trip to Guatemala, And then the local missions trip where some of us will go up to the Pocono Mountains and support families affected by disability at Johnny and Friends Family Retreat. If you're interested in more information about that, contact the church office or just go to Johnny and Friends and find out more or call me or text me or email me. My family will be going to week one and we're really excited about that. The theme for Johnny and Friends Family Retreat is fearless And it's talking to families about how to face life fearlessly, no matter what trial you're going through. And the families at Family Retreat have some trials that are just 24-7 for the rest of your life, very difficult assignments from the Lord. And so as I've been preparing my messages for uh, Johnny and Friends Family Retreat as the camp pastor for week one this year, I thought that our church would be blessed by these messages as well. So we're going to look at this text for the next three messages starting today. And then after those three messages, the fourth message in our Stand Firm series will be brought to us by Dick Steinson on 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 7, about how the Lord has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear. The question for our series is going to be this. How can you stand firm when life is fearful? How can you stand firm? When life is full of fear. Let me pray first and then I'll read our text. Lord, build your kingdom here and start in our hearts this morning. Build your kingdom of hope and drive out despair from our hearts. Build your kingdom of comfort. And drive out agony from our hearts. Build your kingdom of peace. And drive out animosity, hate, and anger from our hearts. As we read your word, help us feast on the meal you've prepared. Thank you for the worship so far. And how you hear us and receive it as a pleasing aroma to you. You have been and will make us more like Christ this morning. So give us ears to hear from you now as we look to your glorious and holy word. In Christ's name we thank you and pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verses 13 and 14. Our text for this and the next two Sundays. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Five phrases. Can we really talk for three Sundays about those five phrases? Well, I think we will have just scratched the surface. 1 Corinthians 16 comes at the end of Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. 
He had all manner of instructions for them, all manner of warnings for them in the text, all manner of problems in their church community and things they're afraid of that he is addressing. And at the end, he sums it all up in these five phrases, his concluding remarks to a church that was messy and confused, and divided, and struggling. And he sums it up with these five phrases so that they might stand firm in the faith when life is fearful. Verse 13 and 14, again, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. And if we're going to stand firm in the faith this summer, we need to heed Paul's five phrases. If we're going to play the part God is writing for us. Let me put it this way. As we go through this series, I want you to think about yourself as a character in a story. Because you are actually a character in a story. God is writing the true story of the world. And he has you right where you are. Exactly where you are. Exactly when you are. In the situation, in the home, in the neighborhood, in the school, in the workplace, in the environment, in the country, on the planet, at this time for his glory. And your character has a different role to play than the rest of us. Only you are in that story. And your character is going to face situations and trials. Just like all of the other characters in God's true story that he is writing. Think about all of the characters in the one true great story. Eve had a trial. Abraham had trials and fears. Sarah, Joseph, Esther, Peter, Mary Magdalene. And now you, and you, and you, and you. Characters in God's great story. The characters face situations and trials and we get to read their story and find out whether or not they stood firm or whether or not they wobbled. But you stand in their legacy. Our first parents sinned. They ate the forbidden fruit. We now live in a world full of fear and temptation and struggle and trial and brokenness. And we get to live in this chapter of the real story. So friends, Will you stand firm or will you wobble? Let me ask it this way. How's it been going lately? Have you been standing firm or have you been wobbling? How long has that been? Will you glorify Christ with your life or have you been trying to please yourself? Are you praying, Lord, make thy kingdom come, or Lord, make my kingdom come? Were you singing, build my kingdom here, as we sang the song? Paul gives us five phrases to remember so that we might stand firm in a life full of things to be afraid of. We're going to look at all five of the phrases this morning briefly, but our main message this morning is on the first two. Look at the text again, 1 Corinthians 16. It's on the back of your bulletin if you need it. Verse 13, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. If we're going to stand firm in a fearful world, we need these five phrases. 
Uh, where do I get that phrase fearful from? Well, the Johnny and Friends theme is fearless. And, and yeah, they connected it to these verses. And so I want to call the series Stand Firm. But really, fearless, I don't know anyone who has gone a year without anything to be afraid of. So let's talk about that. Is it really a fearless or fearful world? Are you really tempted to be afraid? I took a poll of some people this week and I started out by asking, what are teenagers afraid of? What are the fears of teenagers? Well, it's graduation season for some and summertime is coming. What do teens worry about? Some of the teens are worrying about whether or not college is going to be worth it. And that's a big fear. Some of the teens are wondering, am I going to be able to make it out in the world on my own or am I going to be stuck living with my parents forever? And some of the parents are worried about that too. (laughs) What are you afraid of? There's the fear of fitting in. Do people like me? Do I have any friends? And then for the teens, there's shipping. Who's shipping with who? I guess it's a relationship thing. I'm probably six months behind on the lingo. Some teens are probably particularly afraid of being mocked for what they believe. Maybe especially in a month like June. Well, how about adults? I looked at the top fear of adults in 2022, and the number one fear, hard to believe, of adults in America is corrupt government officials. And there is bipartisan agreement that you should be afraid of your government. Bipartisan agreement. Okay, are you afraid? You're in a story. Your story has antagonists. There are people against you. The enemy is prowling around like a lion, seeking someone to devour. There are enemies in your story who want to see you fail this week. Your story has trials. And chapters in a good book with no drama and no stress are boring chapters. God does not write a lot of boring chapters. Every chapter of Scripture has stress and drama and trial and enemies trying to stop what God is doing. The enemy does not take a break. Satan is not going on vacation this summer. Well, maybe you're one of those rare people who say, I'm I'm standing firm 100%. I haven't flinched in a decade. No worries at all. No failing health problems, no relational struggles, no sinful temptations, no fears whatsoever. Everything is just perfect. But I haven't met anyone like that. Except maybe Josie. Travis and Kylie Dyke's daughter, Josie. She's young. And I imagine her, if we said, do you have anything you're afraid of? She would have a real big smile and say, no, there's nothing to be afraid of. This is just a beautiful world. Well, we can't all be like Josie Dykes, who's homesick today. Josie, we love you. Hi. Well, she, now she's afraid of being sick. She would say the whole world is smiles, but not the rest of us. So we've got these five phrases to stand firm when life is fearful. And let's briefly look at all five and then dive into the first two. Our text again, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be watchful. That's the first phrase. Be watchful. The word means stay awake or wake up or be on watch or pay attention. 
It comes from the root word for wake up. Paul is saying to a church that's divided, that's confused, that's giving into sinful, sinful temptations. He says, wake up, watch out. You cannot coast through this life. There are too many dangers, too many snares, too many temptations. You can't coast because the enemy is not coasting. So if we're going to stand firm, we need to be awake. We need to wake up and watch. And that means every day when you wake up, if you wake up thinking, I'm just going to coast through this day, you are not paying attention to the chapter you're in. We need the gospel fresh and hot every morning before breakfast because the trials of this world are going to come quick and you don't know what's going to happen. In fact, some of you this past week had one of those days that shook your world. And last Sunday during the sermon, you didn't know it was coming. So you needed to be watchful, staring at the gospel of Jesus Christ every day because you don't know what's going to happen before bedtime tonight. So Paul says, wake up, wake up. If we're going to stand firm, we need to be watchful. Second, Stand firm in the faith. The words there mean persevere, keep your spot, hold on, don't lose your balance. But standing firm is not about physical strength or physical balance. It's about what we put our faith in. It's about Christ. Stand firm, not in your strength. Stand firm, not in your resources. Stand firm, not in your money. Stand firm, not in your career. Stand firm, not in your friend circle. Stand firm in the faith. Because your faith in Christ is in the person who will never let you down. But if you trust in yourself, you'll let you down. If you trust in a friend, they might let you down. If you trust in the government, they might let you down. So we need to stand firm in the faith. Elsewhere, Paul tells the church in Galatia, Galatians 5.1, he says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So friends, it's standing firm in Christ or wobbling in slavery. Those are the options. It's all about who you are trying to stand firm in. Yourself, someone else, or Christ. And so we can't forget the gospel each day. Stand firm in the faith. That's the second phrase. Third, look at the third phrase, act like men. This is an interesting phrase. And for the purposes of a church doing this, it it means growing up and being an adult. The contrast is not man to woman. The contrast is man, men to children. Grow up, mature, understand that your character in this chapter of the story is supposed to grow in the next three chapters. You're supposed to learn. You're supposed to be paying attention. So he says, act like men. It's like maybe going through a rite of passage, right? Act like a man. Be a man. You're a man now. You're a woman now. In some cultures, they have rites of passage where a boy becomes a man in an act of bravery or foolishness. I don't know. Uh, I, look, I looked up one this week, and on the island of Vanuatu, uh, off of Australia, they make a crude, once a year, they make a crude wooden tower, I don't know, 100 feet high, and uh, they climb up the tower, and if you're manlier, the higher up you climb up the tower, and you attach vines to your ankles, and you jump off, and you hope that the vines pull you just before your head hits the ground. And 
every year the boys do this. And every year the boys, as they grow up, are supposed to go higher and higher. They're supposed to act like a man. Now act like a man. Now act like a man. Um, Courage is great, especially for young boys. But that's not courage. (laughs) That seems more like foolishness. Paul is not saying, let's have immature contests to prove your courage in the church. He's challenging the church to grow up, to learn from this chapter so that you're prepared for the next chapter, to walk through your story in this chapter. And as you and our church family watch you, we learn how Christ gets you through that. And we all grow together as we watch Jesus grow us up in the faith. That's what it means to act like men. There's spiritual maturity we need from one another. So God has given you wisdom. Share that wisdom with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Act like men. Fourth, be strong. Be strong. All right, the video game players are going to like this one. The word for be strong is kratos. And some of you know why I said that. In Greek mythology, kratos represented strength. And there's a video game that video gamers would know called God of War. And the main character is Kratos. He's the embodiment of physical strength. And he's so strong that he can go against the Titans. He can face with his physical strength any enemy put in his path. So Paul says, be Kratos. But it means strength, but also growing in strength. And for Paul, he's not talking about physical strength. If we're going to stand firm, yes, we need strength for the trials. But it's not physical or worldly strength. It's spiritual strength and wisdom. In fact, in Luke 2 verse 20, this same idea is said about Jesus, our Lord. It says that Jesus grew in strength as he was filled with wisdom. And in Ephesians 3, from last week's message, we learn that we're spiritually strengthened by the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to be strong, we need to grow in wisdom. We need wisdom for this life. We need time in God's word daily. We need to share with one another and sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to encourage one another in the way of the Lord. And we need to keep growing. You have not made it yet. I have not arrived. We all need more wisdom this week than we did last week. And so we need to seek the Lord's face and ask for wisdom because he gives it. Well, fifth and finally of our phrases in our introduction, it says, let all that you do be done in love. Well, isn't that a nice way to end it? Let all that you do be done in love. Isn't it interesting that after Paul says, watch out, stand firm, be grown up, be strong, he has to remind them, don't forget to love. Because I've seen people, myself included, grow in understanding and knowledge and maybe even wisdom and just crush people with it especially in college. It's one of the things the Lord opened my eyes up to. We need this reminder. Paul says, let all that you do, church, if you want to stand firm, you can't forget to do everything in love. There's four words in the New Testament for love. There's uh, romantic love and family love and brotherly love, where we get Philadelphia from, right? Phileo is brotherly love. And then there's one more kind of love, and Paul's using this word for love. 
It's a powerful, benevolent love without hesitation or qualification. And it's agape love. If we're going to stand firm in our faith and live out our faith well, we need to be characterized by agape love. Because you can be really strong and smart, but unloving. And that won't get you far. But you can also be really loving, but not really care about the truth. And then you won't have any firm foundation to stand on. So we need them both. The strength of wisdom and God's love. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Well, we'll cover the first two more in depth this morning. Let's go back now to be watchful. Be watchful. Let me ask you a question. Are you regularly getting caught off guard by trials, temptations, and fears? Are you regularly going, oh no, I don't know what to do. Oh no, how did this happen? Oh no. Are your eyes open? Are you watching? Or are you trying to coast through the story? Coasting through the story is going to get you in an accident. Are you watching out for dangers? Uh, On Memorial Day, uh, we had a little cookout at my family's house and we had some family over. And you remember Memorial Day? It was this still, calm, beautiful day, wasn't it? That was a great day. So we're out in the yard, we're tossing football around and it's just so calm. It's like this Norman Rockwell painting. And then boom! Somebody set off the loudest firework I've ever heard. And usually our neighbors set fireworks off and they start off with the little ones and they ramp up and we know the big ones are coming. But we're just standing there and then boom! And our hearts were raised. I was checking my pulse. I had no idea there was a massive explosion about to go off. No warning at all. And sometimes when we try to coast through life, we're walking past explosions that are about to go off and we're not paying attention and we're going to be caught off guard. And Paul says you can't coast. You can't let your guard down. You can't take the armor of God off. You can't forget the gospel each day. You have to be watchful because there are dangers like that all around. And there may be two or five of us in this room right now who this week will have one of those happen. And so Paul says, brothers and sisters, be watchful. Earlier, I mentioned external fears, but for Paul in 1 Corinthians, the context of the letter is a concern for the fears and explosions that can happen inside the church family. Paul wants the church to watch out against dangers and temptations that can divide the church. In fact, think about the letter of 1 Corinthians, if you know it. In chapter 1, you have divisive factions. I'm with this guy. I follow that guy. I follow that guy. And then the last guy's like, well, I follow Jesus. And he was just as divisive as everyone else. In chapter 5, there's public sin, which no one has the courage to speak up about, which is ruining their unity. In chapter 7, there's confusion and maybe division over singleness and marriage. And there's maybe even fighting or comparison there. Chapter 11, there's a whole group of people getting together for the love feast and they're not waiting for the rest of their brothers and sisters to get there. They're starting and being inappropriate before their church family arrives. 
Chapter 12 has to remind the church that they're one body, all members, all parts added to a glorious body. And you got to not think you're special if you have an exciting gift. Remember that you're part of a body. Don't divide. Don't compare. Don't think you're better than anyone else. There are all these dangers for the church as we grow. And so then chapter 13, the love chapter, usually read at weddings, but it's for us. Be patient with one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive each other. We need that reminder for the church. We have to be watchful. We have to be watching out. So if someone comes to you with gossip about someone else in the church, watch out because that can set a church on fire, not like we were singing. And so you say to that person, have you talked to that other person about it? I'll go with you if you need a friend to go. Because we have to be on guard for things like that. So here's how you can watch out. To stand firm in your faith this week, here are some ways to watch out. Based on 1 Corinthians. If you're part of a divisive faction, then repent and seek unity in Christ. If you're at odds with someone in your church family or another Christian you take that next step and say, how can we reconcile? How can I love you? Do I need to forgive you? Or do I need to offer forgiveness for something? Or do, I, do you need to forgive me? Do I need to repent of something? If you're celebrating sin, like they were in 1 Corinthians 5, repent of that and apologize. If you, like the Corinthians in chapters 12, 13, and 14, are fighting over who has the best gift, if you think you're special, Well, stop thinking you're the greatest person in the zip code. It's not you. It's not me either. But you knew that. If you're selfish and trying to make church all about you, stop doing that. Start praying, start giving, or start serving your church family. And don't look down on others. We've got to be watchful for the spiritual temptations and dangers which can divide a church. At Johnny and Friends, the families are all affected by significant disabilities. And the world says to them often that disability is a tragic weakness. But in the church, the danger is actually to have pride about your strength, your gifts, your position, your influence, your strength. But when we do that, we miss Jesus. We need to be watchful. We've got to watch out for the lies about our story in the chapter we're in because the enemy's going to lie this week. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata was injured 55 years ago. She started Johnny and Friends. It's about her uh, ministry. And she was paralyzed and she's been in a wheelchair for 55 years. And she says this about her weakness. And we really have to remember this. We have to be watchful about our strength because there was so much strength boasting in Corinth that Paul was addressing. So Johnny says this, 55 years in her wheelchair. My weakness, that is my quadriplegia, and hear this as her chapter in this story, God's writing. My weakness, that is my quadriplegia, is my greatest asset Because it forces me into the arms of Christ every single morning when I get up. Can you say that about your weakness? It forces you to not forget to run to Christ each day. 
God proclaims disability and weaknesses as a place where his power and wisdom are displayed for the world. And that should humble us. If you want to be watchful, here's the best thing to watch this week. Stand firm and watch your weakness. Because in your weakness, that's where God displays his glorious strength in you. So be watchful and watch your character's weaknesses and then watch for the Lord to show his strength. Be watchful. Second, and finally, we're going to look a little more at stand firm. Stand firm. Verse 13, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Well, how do we stand firm in the faith? If you're going to be strong this week, it's only if you're in the faith. How do we stand firm this week? In the faith. And now I'll say it and then you say it. How do we stand firm this week? In the faith. Anywhere else, any other way, any other strength, any other resource, you will wobble, you will stumble, you will fall, you will despair, you will flee. But we stand firm in the faith. So I have three suggestions for us about how to stand firm. First, Remember that you're in a story. I've teased this out a little bit this morning already, but one of the most helpful things for my personal journey with God, my faith, my understanding of walking with Jesus is to realize that I am one of the characters in the true story, right? Every human being is a character in the real story. And sometimes I want to watch somebody else be brave or someone else suffer and get through it. I don't want to be the character in the story. And I have to remember that I'm a character in God's story and you are too. I'm going to give a book away and it's first come, first serve, but only come up if you would like to know more about how your life is God's story. It's N.D. Wilson's Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl. I really recommend this book. I'm going to put it right here and you can grab it on your way out. First come, first serve. Don't fight over it. He says in the book about this theme that you're a character in your story that God's writing. He says, do you dislike your role in the story? In other words, would you rather trade with somebody else? Do you dislike your place in the shadows? He says, what complaints do you have that the hobbits could not have about Tolkien? You've been born into a narrative. You have been given freedom. Act and act well until you reach your final scene. You only get to play that role that God has given you. You can't play my role. I can't play your role. But know you're in a role. And one day we'll get to the final scene of our chapter. And only God knows but he has you here now in this moment and we're here as your church family to walk with you and wait for you to say your next line. And if your next line is help, please say it so we can love you and walk with you in this chapter. You're in the real story, just like the people in the Bible. Think of the fiery furnace in Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Will you bow down to the false gods of the culture around you or will you only worship the one true God? And if you don't bow down, you're going to get thrown in a fire. Well, they stood firm in their story. Stand firm in your story. Just remember that you're in a story and God is the author and you can trust him. Second, 
Why do we wobble instead of stand firm? Second point is fear makes you wobble. Fear makes you wobble. The opposite of standing firm is wobbling. And maybe you think, I've just been wobbling. Where does the wobbling come from? Where does the opposite of standing firm come from? Well, a major reason characters wobble in stories is fear. And standing firm is when you're in the middle of fearful things and instead of staring at the fearful things, you look away from them to God. So you wobble when you take your eyes off the Lord. Peter, walk on water. I don't know, that's pretty scary. He keeps his eyes on Jesus and he's standing firm on water. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he falls. Fear is when we stare at our circumstances instead of our Savior. But if you want to stand firm, stare at Jesus, your Savior, instead of your circumstances. Uh, N.D. Wilson, again from the book, says this. In this story, your story, our story, the sun moves. It doesn't stay still. In this story, every night meets a dawn and burns away in the bright morning. In this story, winter can never hold back spring. Because God is writing this story. So if fear makes you wobble, how do you stand firm? My question for you is, what are you staring at? Your circumstances or your Savior? If you stare at your circumstances, I know this from personal experience. If you stare at your circumstances, you will wobble. And then what happens next as you wobble? You're going to resent your story. You're going to resent where God put you. And you're going to want to be in somebody else's story. So not only will you wobble, but you will begin to resent the character God made you to be. But if you stare at God... If you rehearse the gospel daily, you will be made new and your lines will get more interesting. So why do we wobble? Fear. And that's based on what we're staring at. Third and finally, the gospel is the foundation we stand on. Stand firm where? In the faith. One more time. Stand firm where? In the faith. Stand firm in the faith. We sang a few minutes ago, O Church Arise. If you want a song to sing this week, why don't you sing that one? Let me say the lines again. O Church Arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our Captain. For now the weak can say they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth will stand against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. It's like a summary of these verses. Friends, Jesus is our light. We stare at him and faith gets us through the darkness because our faith is not in us, it's in him, the light who gets us through the darkness. So we can be fearless. What is your darkness, your fear? What are your wobbly moments? Consider Christ. And one last quote from Wilson in that book. If you're really struggling and you just don't know how you're going to get through that next fearful thing, remember who has gone before you in the story. Here's the quote. Do not fear the shadowy places. You will never be the first one there. Another went ahead 
and down until he came out the other side. Friends, the tomb of Jesus is empty. Jesus went into family rejection first. Jesus went into public mockery first. Jesus went into physical pain first. Jesus went into arrest when it wasn't warranted first. Jesus went into mockery by his friends and people around him first. Jesus went into being betrayed by the 12 closest people who walked with him. Betrayed to death by one and betrayed to aloneness by the other 11. On the night he was betrayed, he was alone. And the three closest ones who he said, please pray for me, fell asleep. He went first into all of that. And then he went first into public execution. And he went first into death. And he went first into the tomb. And he came out the other side. And he went first in your story so that you in his strength might stand firm in your chapter of the story. Stand firm in the faith and fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our stories. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are the great author of our stories. There's so much pain in the Bible and in our stories. There's so much brokenness that we introduced through sin into your beautiful, unbroken world. The wages of our sin earned us death. And yet, while we were still sinners, Christ, your Son, and our Savior died for us. And he's authoring a better final chapter for those who have placed their faith in him. And so, Father, give us strength and wisdom and watchfulness and firm standing this week as we walk through the chapter in our story. Help us fix our eyes on you and not ourselves. Help us stare away from our circumstances and at your glorious face. And help us not do it at the end of a long, hard day only, but at the beginning of each day, trusting that your mercy is new each morning. Give us wisdom as a church to watch out for the things that can divide us and harm us. Humble us, Lord, and keep us holy. And Lord, help us receive our chapters with joy from your loving, authorly hand. Help us receive it because Christ went first. In his name we pray, amen.